Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Hello, I'm Dave Reagan, Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, and this is my associate, Dennis Pollack. We welcome you in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope. We'd like to talk with you for just a few minutes about a very important prophetic event that we believe is going to occur at any moment. It is called the rapture. Now, this is the first in a series of programs that we're going to present about the rapture. In the process, we're going to consider a number of questions concerning this important event. Our concern today is, what is the rapture? What does this mysterious term mean? In our next program, we'll talk about how the rapture relates to the second coming of Jesus. And in the following program, we'll focus on the most controversial question concerning the rapture, and that is, when is it most likely to occur? Will it happen before the horrible seven-year period of time, which the Bible calls the tribulation? Or will it occur in the middle of that period? Or could it possibly be delayed until the end of the tribulation? But first, we want to clearly define the meaning of the rapture. Now, Folks, I know, as a matter of fact, that this is an essential thing for us to do because I am convinced that most Christians do not have the foggiest idea as to what the term rapture means. And I speak from experience, from personal experience. You see, I was born into a Christian family. I grew up in the church, attending every time the door was open. And yet, at the age of 30, after 30 years of church attendance, I had never even heard of the rapture. If you'd asked me to define the word, I probably would have said it's a feeling you get when your girlfriend kisses you. And if you had asked me to identify Gog and Magog, I probably would have said they were a comedy team. I'm telling you, folks, I knew absolutely nothing about Bible prophecy. What about you, Dennis? I know you grew up uh, going to church from the earliest age. Did you hear much about the rapture? Well, it's a funny thing, Dave. It's not that I remember hearing about the rapture. We heard a lot of teaching about the end times, but it was mostly the scary stuff, like the Battle of Armageddon. Yes, I know what you mean. Well, folks, I'm sorry to say that I think our experiences are typical of most lifelong Christians today. Most Christians have received little, if any, teaching about the rapture, and the result is that this important prophetic promise is, at best, a sort of fuzzy concept that really doesn't mean very much. In fact, if we were to go out on any street in America today and ask people to define the rapture, well, I suspect we would get answers like the following. Excuse me, sir, are you a Christian? Well, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Well, I thought so from that tie you're wearing there. Let me uh, ask you just a quick question, okay? Uh, yeah, just speed it up, make it quick. All right, uh, what is the rapture? The rapture? Huh, well, now let's see. The rapture, the rapture. Um, don't help me, don't help me. Uh, just give me another moment to think here. The rapture, the rapture. Excuse me, sir, could I uh, ask you a quick question? Uh, sure. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Then let me ask you a question. Uh, what is the rapture? Uh, could you give me a clue? It's in the Bible. Uh, it must be in the Old Testament. I've never heard of it. I'm a New Testament Christian. The rapture, the rapture. Come on, come on. I know this term. I know it. Um, uh, don't help me. Just give me a little bit more time to think here. 
Uh, hey, guys, could I ask you all a quick question? Are we going to be on TV? Well, maybe. Cool, yeah. Okay, fire away. Okay. Uh, are you Christians? Yeah. I thought so from those shirts you were wearing. Well, my question is this. What is the rapture? The what? The rapture. I uh, think they're having some sort of a powwow here. I don't know for sure what we're going to get out of this. Uh, oh, okay, okay, you got it? Is it some type of rap music? Excuse me, are you folks Christians? Why, yes, we are. Do you mind if I ask you a biblical question? Well, we're in church every Sunday. I, go ahead, uh, what's the question? What is the rapture? The rapture, uh, I'll tell you what. My wife is the real Bible expert, and I think I'm going to let her answer this. Okay. Um, just give me a minute. I know I've heard that term before. Um, oh, I think I know. Isn't that when Jesus went up on the mountain and revealed his coming glory to his disciples? You know, the transfiguration. Isn't that also called the rapture? Let me conclude this series of interviews by asking you, what is the rapture? How would you define it? How would you describe it to someone who had never heard of it? Where would you find it in the Bible? Would you look in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Would you go to the Gospels or would you go to the Epistles? My colleague, Dennis Pollock, is waiting for me back at the studio, and I would like to ask him to launch our study of the rapture by showing you where the concept can be found in the Scriptures. Folks, this is very important because I have even heard pastors deny that the rapture can be found in the Bible. So Dennis, it's all yours. Thank you, Dave. The central passage in all the Bible concerning the rapture is one written by Paul. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, Dennis, if that is one of the key passages in all of God's Word about the rapture, your reading of it just raises an important question. And that question is, where in the word world is the word rapture? I didn't hear you say the word rapture when you read that. Okay, well, here's the thing, Dave. It doesn't appear in the English translations. The word rapture comes from the Latin translation in which it appears as rapturo. The word appears in verse 17 where the English translations say caught up or taken away or taken out. Now, rapture is a shorthand term for these phrases, but it's a biblical term right out of the Latin Bible, and it's certainly a biblical concept. Now, the word in Greek is harpazo, and I think it's interesting to note where this word is used in other New Testament passages. One of the places is in the 10th chapter of John where Jesus says, I give my sheep eternal life, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Now, the word snatch in this verse is the Greek word harpazo, the same word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4 for caught up. 
It means literally to be violently or forcefully snatched or grabbed out of a situation. So Jesus is telling us that no one will be able to snatch us out of his hand, but Paul tells us that Jesus will snatch us out of the earth one day. Another place we find this word is in the story in Acts, where Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember what it says happened right after the eunuch was baptized? The scriptures tell us that the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now that word caught is the same Greek word harpazo that Paul uses in writing about what Jesus will do for the believers when he snatches us from the earth. In Philip's case, it was a horizontal snatching. He went from one place on the earth to another. But the rapture of the church will be a vertical snatching. We'll go from earth to heaven in one forceful snatch. Now in another place in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes himself as being caught up into heaven where he heard inexpressible words which he could not repeat. His phrase is caught up into heaven. Can you guess what Greek word is used there? It's our old friend Harpazo, the same word that's used for the rapture. Paul was forcefully snatched from the earth. Only in this case, it was an individual situation and temporary because Paul came right back down to the earth. But at the rapture, you'll have the whole church caught up and it won't be temporary. It will be forever. Praise the Lord. So the idea of the rapture is clearly a biblical concept. Even if you don't find the word in your English Bible, the concept's clearly there. In in a way, it's, it's like the word Trinity. It's not found. The word Trinity is not found in English Bibles, but the word represents a biblical concept for sure. Well, that's certainly true, uh, Dennis. And let me just make a point here about this, and that is that it seems like what you're saying right now is that the word rapture is a biblical word right out of the Latin Bible, and it is certainly a biblical concept, right? That's the point. Now, could you just summarize for us the concept of the rapture? You've read it in detail, but just give it to us in in a brief summary. All right. What is the rapture? Well, basically, this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 says that one day Jesus will appear in the heavens, His appearance will be accompanied by the blowing of a trumpet and the shout of an archangel. The dead in Christ, that is those who died believing in Jesus, will be resurrected from the dead and will rise to meet Jesus in the sky. And those who are alive in Christ, that is the living Christians, will follow the resurrected dead to meet the Lord in the air. What a fantastic promise. The dead in Christ will be resurrected and those who are living will be translated. Boy, that is something else. That's right. Just think of it, Dennis. This means that there's going to be a whole generation of people who will not die. The people who are alive at the time the Lord comes, they will not experience death. That's right. And you know, there's an old saying that you and I grew up hearing, which is that the only two things that are sure in life are death in taxes. But in reality, only taxes are inevitable. Boy, you can say that again. I mean, you can say it again. Now, Dennis, this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 is not the only one in the Bible that speaks about the rapture, is it? No. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself referred to the rapture in his teachings. And there's another very important passage about it in the writings of Paul. Could you share those with us now? Certainly, Dave. The first is a passage where Jesus himself talked about the rapture. It's one of the most comforting scriptures in God's Word. It's found in John 14, beginning with verse 1. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, once again, folks, we have the very same imagery. 
Jesus appears in the sky, the living and dead in Christ go up to meet Him and return to heaven with Him. One thing that is clearly emerging from these passages is that the rapture is an event that is separate and apart from the second coming of Jesus. Because in neither of these passages, in John 14 or 1 Thessalonians 4, is there any mention of Jesus returning to earth, something that will occur at the time of His second coming. That's right, Dave, and we're going to explore the difference between the rapture and the second coming in greater detail on our next program. Let's look now at another reference to the rapture in the writings of Paul. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and beginning with verse 51, Paul says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah, what a glorious passage. What incredible hope we have as Christians, Dennis. Amen. And Dave, now you understand why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter in the ninth verse, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the mind of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. I tell you, every time I hear that verse, I just get goosebumps all over. And you know what? The very next verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that God has revealed those things that we cannot even imagine. He has revealed them to us through the Word by His Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Dennis, how about just summarizing once more for us now the fundamental elements of the rapture? All right, Dave. Jesus will appear in the sky, a trumpet will be blown, and an archangel will shout. The dead in Christ will be resurrected and will rise to meet the Lord in the sky. And those of us who are believers, who are living, will also be caught up to meet the Lord in the sky. Tell you what, folks, I'd like to do something uh, different at this point in our program, and that is that I have learned as a teacher over many years that the best way in the world to learn something is to reinforce it visually. So I'd like to step over here for a moment uh, to our illustration board and show you uh, these points about the rapture in a visual sort of way. The very first thing that we need to keep in mind about the rapture is that Jesus is going to appear. So the key word here is appear, and that is a very important word because Jesus does not come to the earth at this time. He simply appears in the heavens. The second thing that's going to happen is a trumpet will be blown, and that will alert all believers, both living and dead, that the time has come for this great event. Third, an archangel will shout, and then the dead in Christ will be resurrected. This will be one of the greatest miracles in the history of mankind. Think about it for a moment. Those bodies that have been burned and are just ashes will come back together. Those bodies that have dissolved in the ocean will come back together. There will be a great miracle of resurrection as Jesus resurrects those bodies and they go up to meet Him in the sky. And then the fifth point of the rapture is that the living in Christ, those who are alive at that time, will be translated. Now, I know that sounds like a rather strange word. What it means is that the living will be taken up to meet the Lord in the sky, and on the way up they will be radically and fundamentally changed. 
It's like changing a text from, from English to Russian or Russian to English. We will be translated. We will be changed in that our fleshly bodies will become spiritual bodies. They will still be tangible bodies, but a different type of body. They will no longer be mortal bodies. They will be immortal bodies. We will have a glorified body like the one that Jesus had after His resurrection. So once again, five points. Jesus appears, the trumpet is blown, the archangel shouts, the dead in Christ are resurrected, and the living in Christ are translated. Now, let's go back up to point number three. The archangel shouts. Dennis, do you have any idea at all what that archangel is going to shout? Well, Dave, the Bible doesn't tell us, but my best guess would be the bridegroom cometh. Now, I say that for two reasons. First, the Bible presents the relationship between Jesus and the church as that of a bridegroom to his bride. The church is called the bride of Christ. Also, Jesus told a parable that is recorded in Matthew 25 in which he compared his return for his church to that of a bridegroom coming for his bride. And in the parable, there is the shout, Behold the bridegroom. You see, folks, in the time of Jesus, an engagement was followed by a waiting period of nine months to a year. Thus, during a three-month period of time between the ninth month and the end of a year's time, the bride had to be continually ready for the bridegroom to come at any moment. He would try to surprise her. He'd come with his wedding party, and when he arrived at her house, someone in his entourage would shout, The bridegroom cometh! Well, that's, that is beautiful imagery, Dennis. And tell me something. Do you think the whole world will hear that shout? Well, Dave, I tell you what, I don't think so. I think it's more likely it'll be like Paul's experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus spoke to him. Now, all around him heard a rumble, but only Paul heard the words. Well, then tell me, Dennis, who will hear that shout, the bridegroom cometh? Well, the ones that will hear it will be the ones that Jesus is coming for, those who've been truly born again. That means they put their hope and their trust in Jesus as their Savior. Well, Dennis, if someone watching wants to do that, if they want to put their hope and their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, what, what do they do? How, do? how do they do this? Well, what they need to do, Dave, is they need to pray and receive Jesus Christ. They can pray with me. You can pray with me right now. I want you to say this. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I'm a sinner, Lord. Forgive my sins. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. And I'll trust you and live for you for the rest of my days. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, Dennis, I'm sure that there are many of our viewers out there who are wondering right now, is that really all you have to do in order to be born again, in order to be saved, to say a simple prayer like that? Aren't there some works you've got to do? Well, a lot of people would think so. But the truth is that people are always finding it difficult to believe they can be born again spiritually without performing works, but the only work to do to make salvation possible has already been done by Jesus on the cross. Salvation is a free gift of God for us to receive through faith in Jesus. Well, all I can say to that, Dennis, is praise God for His loving kindness and His grace. Amen. Folks, if you prayed that prayer with Dennis, let me encourage you to seek out a Bible-believing and Christ-exalting church where you can manifest your faith in confession of Jesus and baptism. Also, would you write us and tell us about your decision for Jesus so that we can send you some follow-up materials on how to grow in the Lord? We will also tell you how to look for a church where you can begin to grow in the Lord. Well, that's it for now. We want to invite you to be with us again for our next program, and we will focus on the difference between the rapture and the second coming. Until then, 
This is Dave Reagan and Dennis Pollock speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The rapture, the rapture, the rapture, the rapture. Excuse me, ma'am, could I ask you a question? Sure. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I'd like to ask you a biblical question. All right. What is the rapture? The rapture, the rapture is the promise of Jesus that one day, very soon, he's going to appear in the heavens to take his church out of this world. I want to encourage you to write or call us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries in order to get on our mailing list to receive our free bi-monthly magazine called The Lamplighter. The magazine focuses on important issues related to Bible prophecy like the explosion of the cults, the nature and identity of the Antichrist, Europe in prophecy, and the truth about Islam. And when you call, consider ordering a copy of my newest book, Wrath and Glory. It is a down-to-earth, easy-to-understand survey of the book of Revelation. I think it will help you to understand Revelation as never before. The book runs 240 pages in length, and it contains many charts and diagrams to help you better understand the concepts that are discussed. It also contains a complete chapter in which I respond to some of the most frequently asked questions about Revelation. Questions like, why isn't the rapture specifically mentioned in Revelation? Who are the two witnesses who will preach in Jerusalem? Are the Revelation judgments sequential in nature? What is the significance of the number 666? Will the Antichrist be killed and resurrected from the dead? Is the United States depicted in the book's prophecies? Is Jesus really going to reign on earth for a thousand years? And will we spend eternity in heaven or on a new earth? The book ends with a complete chapter about how to apply the truths of Revelation to your life here and now. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and